Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Last week I threw out some oxymorons to you and uh, a few people came up to me and said, Oh, you left out my favorite one. Pretty ugly. Genuine imitation. You know, I've, uh, I've always kind of had an appliance view of cars. Uh, it's, it's just a, 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 a means of transportation. I've never, uh, never kind of uh, self-identified with the, the, the car that I drive. It just has never been that important to me. But that's not to say that there, there aren't a few cars out there that, uh, that I just think, wow, that is, that is a beautiful machine. And uh, I, one, of my, one of my favorite cars, and I, and I, don't, uh, you know, I don't covet one. I, I, I'm not going to do everything I can to get one. But I just look at it and I think, wow, that is just slick. A 1958, a what? No, no, Model A, no. The Model A was a lot of fun. No, 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 no. This one leaves the Model A in the dust. A 1958 Sport, uh, Porsche Speedster. I mean, they are just, I think, beautiful cars. And uh, uh, so I, I went online and I was, and I was looking, and, and they have, the, the, the real deal is just like ugh, unreachable. But they have replicas. And, uh, you, and when you read the description, they say you would, I mean, you would have to be an expert to be able to know the difference. You see this thing going down the road, and, and nobody's going to know it's a replica unless they are uh, just a, you know, a Porsche fanatic and know all the little intricate details. And, uh, and so you can, you can pick up a, a, a beautiful replica of a 1958 Porsche Speedster for about $130,000. Now, now I talked about this with the guys yesterday, and of course somebody sent me a link for a 1952 that you could get, an original 1952 for only $235,000. I said, who who do I make the check out to? No, uh, but if you want a 1958 Porsche Speedster fully restored, the original, it's going to cost you somewhere between a million and two million dollars. So most people are going to be really just happy to have the, the replica, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It does everything that the other one does, but it's just you would always know. Other people might not know, but you would always know that you are dealing with something less than the original. Now, that's what came to my mind as I was studying the passage of Scripture this week. If you have your Bibles, open them up, the 10th chapter of, uh, of the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is trying to get 
the readers and the hearers of this lesson to understand that everything that they knew and understood about, uh, about the covenant that was given in the temple and the tabernacle and the sacrifices, the, the, the tabernacle, as exact and as detailed as it is and was, it was only a replica that the genuine, the real McCoy was in heaven. And that now through Jesus Christ, you can step away from the replica into the real thing. Now, the replica is nice. And it serves its function. But there were some problems with that. Because it happened over and over and over again. When we look at the, uh, at the covenant that God gave uh, to the nation of Israel through Moses, you have those two components uh, within those 613 laws. You have that moral fr framework, that moral and ethical foundation uh, under, under which if you, if you subscribe to it, you thrive. And, and then there's this, this and, and you know what? If we could do that, if, if we could embrace, fully embrace, whole heart, soul, mind, all in to those 10 commandments, you wouldn't need the, under, the other 603. Wouldn't be needed. So why do we have the other 603? Because even as God enters into this testament, into this covenant with Israel, he knows that humanity is going to fail. And so he provides us with a way of dealing with our failures. And that's the whole sacrificial system that is set up and the laws that follow on the heels of the moral law. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then I said, here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire. You were net, you, 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 you. Uh, nor were you pleased with them, 
although the law required them to be made. And then he said, here am I. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their, sinless and their sins and lawlessness, lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. This is kind of the culmination of everything that the author of Hebrews has laid out for us up to this point. Recognizing that the, the, the people who were hearing this letter were under tremendous pressure, both, uh, uh, both secular pressure and religious pressure, to abandon faith in Christ and return to a system that for all intents and purposes had become obsolete. Not the moral foundations that God has given to us, but the means of dealing with our failures to meet the expectations that God set up for us. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. Something better was coming along. Now, when we talk about the law, we need to recognize that, he's, that it, it, at this point, the author is referring to all 300, or 613 laws that comprise the, the, uh, the, the legal system uh, of, the, of the Israelites. Those 613 laws were basically divided up into three different types of laws. We've talked about this. There was the moral law. That was the Big Ten. And then the other 603 were divided into civil law and ceremonial law. Civil law, they'd been in slavery for 400 years. 400 years. Do you realize that means that there were people that were born in captivity and they died in captivity and never knew anything else? How long have we been a nation? Somebody, quick, do the math. What are we, about 235 years? Give or take a year or two. Uh, 400 years, folks. So they come out, and it's like, okay, what do, what do we do now? How do we, how do we function as a society? And so God gives them a civil law so that they can 
interact with one another. The moral law is so that they can interact with God. And then, the, 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 then, and then there's that uh, ceremonial law, which is designed to help them deal with the failures when it comes to the moral law. And that ceremonial law is really what helped to keep the uh, Israelites intact and prevent them from being assimilated into other cultures. It gave them an identity, gives them an identity to this very day. But that law is only a shadow of good things to come. That time when God comes in the fullness of time, uh, in the person of Jesus Christ, to deal with the issue that still vexes us to this very day. What do we do with sin? Well, some people try to redefine it. We talked about that. And some people just tend to, they just want to ignore it. What sin? What sin? What are you talking about? But it's still there. I mean, there are a handful of people. I think they call them sociopaths. Not psychopaths. That's a whole other thing. But people that have no conscience. But for most of us, most of us, we have a conscience. And we know. You know, I tell people over and over again, th things that you need to know about, about Pastor David, two things, two things. Number one, I don't take attendance. And number two, I don't do guilt. I think that, I think that we're hard enough on ourselves. But what I do want to do is point to hope. And that's what something better came along. The law was only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities uh, themselves. For this reason, it, it, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they would have been done away with. Think about it for a minute. The whole sacrificial system was set up as a, as, as a reaction it's a reactive response. When you sin, then do this. Offer up this sacrifice. Offer up this offering. It's a reaction to a transgression that has already been committed. The same sacrifice is repeated endlessly year after year. Uh, can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, they would have been stopped uh, being offered. The worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all, would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And there we're talking about the Day of Atonement, that one day, that one time when, when the faithful worshiper knew that all their sins were forgiven. Assuming that the person who was representing them was worthy. Which is why they waited for the high priest to come out of the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement because if he didn't come out alive, their sins were not atoned for. They were not covered. They walked, and when, when the person walked out, and, and that's why they, you know, they had a little rope around his ankle and little bells around his robe so that they could hear him in there and a, you hear, heard a thud. Well, you pull the rope out because you couldn't go in and get him because only one person could go in at a time once a year. Wow. And so you live with that angst. And, how, and so once you exhaled from, 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 from having the, 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 the high priest 
leave the Holy of Holies. How long did that feeling last? That's the story that, you know, the person praying, Lord, you know, it's, a, it's, it's been a good day. I, uh, I haven't gotten mad at anybody. I haven't yelled at my wife or the children. Uh, uh, I, 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 I've not broken any laws. Uh, and and uh, so I'm in a good spot right now, but, but I'm about ready to get out of bed this morning. And uh, uh, I mean, we're all there. I mean, we know this. We, we know it. See, your laughter betrays you <laughs> because you know, it, you know it's true for you. They were just a reminder, an annual reminder. God wanted to keep it in front of us until the right time. It's impossible for, for, the, for the involuntary slaughter of bulls and goats to, take, to deal with your sin. And when I say it was involuntary, we talked about this last week. I don't think that those cows, those bulls and those goats knew that morning where they were going when they were being led off to, the, uh, uh, to be uh, sacrificed. Therefore, Christ came in the world and said this. Listen to this. Sacrifices, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. Wait a minute. You didn't desire them. Why did you put them there? What does God desire? We'll get to that. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here am I. It is written about me in the scrolls. I have come to do your will, O God. That's, that's Hebrew poetry there. And, you know, that, that's coming right out of Psalm, uh, Psalm 40. You could also kind of take the poetry out and read it this way. With sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased, but a body you prepared for me. And then I said, here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Do, 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 you, do you hear the difference? Rather than being a reactive response to sin, Jesus comes along and he's the proactive response to sin. That's what makes all the difference. Not only is it proactive, but he's not proactively offering somebody else's body and blood for atonement. And we read that last week. Without bloodshed, there is no forgiveness of sins. So Jesus comes along and voluntarily offers himself up. The sacrifices are made because they didn't do God's will. Jesus comes along and he says, I have come here to do your will. That's the difference. And I love this idea, but a body you prepared for me. So we, we think about the incarnation. That, that, that the God of the universe uh, uh, comes and walks among us through Jesus, showing us the face of God, teaching us how to live with one another and in relationship to God, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He dies on the cross. This is my body. Last week we did that. This is my body given for you. This cup is a new covenant poured out of my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink all of you. A, a body you have prepared for me. And then take it one step further, people. Because now we are that body. 
we are the body of Christ. It's language that we use, but we don't, I think sometimes we don't really think about what it means when we say the words that we say. We are the body of Christ. This is the body that he has prepared, that the world might know of his grace, his mercy. And, 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 and when we read this, and we'll, 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 we'll get down here in a minute. So he said, first, the sacrifices, bulls, and offerings you didn't desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Again, those sacrifices were made reactively. It wasn't their idea. But sin is in our lives. How do we deal with it? And then he says, here I am. I have come to do your will. Set aside the first to establish the second. And by that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. What does it mean to be made holy? See, we, get, we, we, we have a skewed understanding of that word. We think of, we think of you know, it is the, it is the, uh, the impact that Catholicism continues to have on the church. The, the two words that are used, holy saint. You know, when we think of, you, I know that's what you're thinking. When you think the words holy saint, you're thinking somebody like, like Mother Teresa. But that's not what the text means. We are the holy saints, the ones who are set apart, not because of what we've done, but what Jesus has done. Set apart to do his will, to be his hands and feet. And to show his grace and mercy to the world around us. Day after day, the priest stands and performs his religious duties. There was, I'll tell you what, the, the temple, the tabernacle was a busy place. It was a busy place. And when it came time for the day of atonement, they imported other priests to come in. Because they were offering sacrifices around the clock. In order to meet the need that was present once a year. There was no sitting down. There were no breaks. There, somebody would come in and relieve you, but boy, the machine kept moving. But when this high priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down. And that just reminds me of the opening, the opening uh, paragraph of, of Hebrews. The son is is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It was done. It was finished. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to, enemies to be made uh, his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy and again we read that word perfect and 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 our minds jump to precision you think about the perfect replica i've i've sat in one of those uh 1958 porsche speedster replicas it's a nice, it's a nice car. But it's not perfect because it's a replica. When, 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 the, when the author of Scripture uses the word perfect, it means finished. It means complete. 
We're still in the process. We're still in process here. We're not, I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. I love her. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says Lord, I will put my, my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Again, that's coming from Jeremiah. And then he says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That means, does God forget? Is that what that means, that God forgets? It means that our sins are covered, period. Where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. We, we, we talk about redemption and restoration. We still live in the place of restoration, even though we've been redeemed. And I dare say that, uh, you, do, do, do you feel guilty when, when, when you sin? Well, yeah. And, you, and, 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 and sometimes uh, when, you're, when you're struggling, uh, does, does it flood back into your mind something that you may have done? And you think, oh, man, you know, God is punishing me for this sin in my life even to this day. There's a difference between punishment and consequences, people. My favorite analogy is the board with the nails in it. You take a board and, you, and, a, and, and if a, a nail represents a sin and you pound those nails into the board, Jesus comes along and he pulls all those nails out and what are you left with? A holy board. Uh, the, the consequences, the, the, the holes are still there. The, the, the nails have been removed, but the holes are still there. Is, is guilt a bad thing for us? Guilt is a reminder to us, and, and, and when we sin, not if we sin, but when we sin, that guilt motivates us to come to God and lay it before him. That's, that's reor reorienting our thinking. That's repentance. But when we repent, when we bring our sins to God, it's not so that God will all of a sudden say, okay, you can stay in my family now. Again, it's for us. It's a reminder that we are still in process. And if I'm in process, you're in process. And the world is in process. And that's where we want to reach for grace. It's there in the Old Testament. I wrote these numbers down. Are you ready for this? Forgiveness is mentioned in the Old Testament over 60 times. Compassion is, is, is uh, uh, referenced in the Old Testament over 60 times. Mercy. Over 70 times. Faithfulness, over 100 times. Why would they worry about words like, like forgiveness and mercy and, and compassion if the, sin, if the blood of goats and bulls could take away their sins? Because it couldn't. They were depending upon God's grace. They were longing for that day when something would happen. And I don't think they understood what was going to happen when the perfect sacrifice would be made once and for all and we could stop all this nonsense with the bulls and the goats. I will remember their sins and lawlessness no more. It is finished. Now, replicas are some wonderful things, but that whole system of offering up sacrifices was a replica. It was a replica that was on earth before the original was revealed. But the original has been revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. 
and it doesn't matter how I feel. Now, that doesn't negate what my emotions tell me that I need to do. But my emotions do not affect my legal standing before God. It is a forensic declaration. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now and forevermore, it is finished. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Okay, one more oxymoron for you. Forgiven sinner. Two truths I want you to walk out of here today with. The first one, we are beloved children of God in whom Christ dwells. We are beloved children of God in whom Christ dwells. And the second one, we dwell in the unshakable kingdom of God. We dwell in the unshakable kingdom of God. Go forth with those two truths and you will find yourself daily growing in the knowledge of our Lord and living in his kingdom until he comes.